So we're in our Brookfield, Wisconsin offices today. I got Roger Murdoch, who's vice president of Agri Solutions, with me, and he's the sponsor of the podcast on ag entrepreneurs. We wanted to take just a few moments to, to catch up on Roger's business. Thanks again for what you're doing in sponsoring these stories. First, give us an early history of the Ingersoll name and brand here in North America. So the Ingersoll product started in 1884 in Illinois. The gentleman was uh, Stephen Ingersoll. Together with his son Roy, they began experiment with uh, the heat treating process, innovation manufacturing techniques, and uh, it just kind of grew from there. Some of the heritage of the factory did end up in Hamilton, Ontario, which at one time was the world's largest implement uh, manufacturer. It sat on over 500 acres and was part of the uh, international harvester umbrella at that time. The Ingersoll brand, it's well known as a key supplier to the original equipment manufacturers that are in the tillage, seeding, and planting industry. And so we basically we deal in anything that is ground engaged. So we go from disc blades to sweeps to chisel points. And we feel it's a very important part of the agricultural industry because if you don't have a well-prepared seedbed, the rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big a tractor or combine that you have because if that seed does not get off to a good start and quick germination, your yield is going to suffer. And as we see farming practices change and as farming is maybe more dialed into a certain prescription for each farm, it becomes very important to have a wide variety of tillage blades available to handle residue, to handle uh, soils that are heavy in clay or have sand, and there's just a wide variety. And the closer we can subscribe that certain tillage practice or planting practice to that specific farm, the greater the yields will be. Ingersoll, actually, we're part of a larger company now. We go under Agri Solutions, and under Agri Solutions, we have um, several different brands, and uh, those brands are sold specifically in certain parts of the world or also are a little bit outside of tillage. One of our latest acquisitions has to do with a company that does logistics management and also... That's uh, Trinity. That's correct and uh, also deals with supplying hardware for OEs on their assembly of products and so on. You mentioned the historic facility in Hamilton, Ontario, which I was uh, impressed to have been there to visit that and know what took place there. Also tell us what visitors would see today if they walked in and the investments that you've made in the technology in that plant. Well, one of the reasons that uh, the facility is located is where it is on the shores of Lake Ontario, because you've got to remember back in the uh, early 1900s, it wasn't as easy to transport things like steel and so on. So being on the Great Lakes, great access to coal and iron ore supplies could be brought in by ships, promoted the growth of the steel industry in that area. So what better place to put a implement plant and then in front of a couple of steel mills. So that's uh, one of the reasons that the uh, factory was located there is uh, the quick access to uh, steel manufacturing. Today, as we keep up with the farming practices, as the speed has gone up and it becomes important to have a higher quality product, um, we've gone to quite a bit of automation and robotics. So as the steel comes into the plant, you know, it is um, 
processed, put into a disk form, and then uh, robots uh, take over from there, whether it's to put the uh, edge on, it's to form it, it's to um, do the heat treating process, or paint it. And one of the items that you have to do in uh, the heat treating and so on is be very precise, and uh, robots will give you that precision so that you get a quality blade every time coming off of a line. What can you tell us about your presence worldwide? Uh, we're the only company that has manufacturing firms in all the key continents for agriculture. We have a facility in Hamilton, Ontario. We have one in Milan, Illinois. We have a couple in the northeast part of Spain. Uh, we have one in Brazil and one in India. So we are well covered to handle all the OE's needs globally in all the key areas where uh, agriculture is prominent. Hey Roger, tell me how your business as a supplier to farm equipment manufacturers has changed and why. It used to be with the, when we would have large contracts with the OEMs, we'd have these long runs. We could set up our lines for days, weeks even, and pump out the same product all the time. The dealers are not in a position to carry inventory. The product isn't moving in the numbers that it used to. Product is built quite a bit better. It lasts longer. I mean, I remember my dad, if a car got 100,000 miles, I mean, it was done. How many implement dealerships are out there driving pickup trucks that are well over 500,000 miles and there's nothing wrong with them? And I think that the same is true with farm equipment. It's made so much better. So with that, we've had to adapt to the changing uh, manufacturing, as I said. So We've had to figure out a way to shorten up lead times and get by with shorter runs. So we've had to retool our plant to adapt to the new way of getting product to the market, and that is smaller niche cottage type businesses that are out there versus these big massive runs. One size fits all is not working in farming. It is prescription farming, and that prescription goes right down to the individual farm and even the guy across the street might have different tillage and planting practices than you do. And the manufacturers recognize that and are going with smaller runs and we've adapted to that. What do you think that the average farmer might not recognize about the innovation that a short line equipment manufacturer actually brings to the market and onto their farm? Well, the word shortliner kind of says it all. It's, you know, they can shorten the stream of getting a product from an idea to fruition. And of course, if it's truly innovative, and most of the time they are, they can make life easier for the farmer, make it more profitable, more productive. It's not that the larger manufacturers don't have the ability, it's just that it's all about numbers. And a lot of times, uh, some of these new ideas initially are such small numbers that it is just not financially practical for a larger company to take it through the development stage. And so the shortliners do a great job of proving or disproving a innovation that can occur in farming. I like how you put that short in the stream of an idea to fruition because I don't know that everyone thinks of shortline that way. That's, a, that's an interesting take on it. When someone talks shortline innovations, what are some of the ones that are the best examples of innovation that come to mind that really made an impact on farming? All things started with a smaller 
company's idea, if you will, whether it was somebody like the Baldwin brothers who developed like the Gleaner Combine, and then it got acquired by an Alice Chalmers who then became Agco. I mean, so many of the things that are out there have been lost in history, but did go back to um, a short line innovation. And a lot of times some of the successful innovations um, get purchased because it's a, a patented product. So somebody will actually buy the complete patent or they'll buy the whole company and take it into further development. And then it gets incorporated into the bigger company's mainstream of products. I would say that it's no different than any other industry, whether it's uh, computers or cars. I mean, we can think of somebody like the vehicles, the Tesla. It wasn't developed by a mainstream company. I don't think agriculture is any different, but I do think that every farm has a shop. Just by having the shop, it lends itself, it, it supports someone's thought process. They might be sitting around or thinking and they can just run right out to their shop and put this innovation together and then the neighbor sees it. And all of a sudden, you know, now you go to the guy in town who actually has a welding shop and he says, well, yeah, I can make a bunch of those. And then all of a sudden, well, there's a company that makes a, you know, an implement line where this little new hitch would work very well. It grows that way. It's all grassroots and so on, where I think a major, they wouldn't take computer time, if you will, to innovate uh, a little small widget, if you will, on a piece of equipment like might come out of a uh, shop farm. Why did you want to support this Ag Entrepreneurs podcast on family-run equipment manufacturers? One thing that is unique about farming is even though there's large corporations out there, there's still a great number of family farms, and even some of the big corporations, they're still family. And uh, we just find it interesting to hear about the different family practices. And then, of course, with your podcast, and that leads into the businesses that are involved in family. And a lot of these people were farmers and transitioned into uh, manufacturers. And, and uh, it's just interesting to see how somebody just took a, a little idea or they were out on their farm and they saw, okay, well, if I do this, I can do this faster, I can do this better, and developed it into a business today. Some are still small, and that's the way they want it, and some of them are multinational companies and even global companies that have been very successful. And it's just uh, interesting to see the different developments that have occurred. We appreciate your support on that. Uh, these are stories that we and several others wanted to get told. and we Glad to be a part of it. <laughs>